This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T for your free audiobook download. Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about uh, all of season five. You know, we're doing the wrap-up cast, Yep, as we tend to do. A couple things I want to start with is, number one, uh, even though we went away from him for the final episode here, uh, that was, uh, you, you just retreated to the Oysters, Clams, and Cockles uh, trap remix that uh, someone, sure. someone uh, forwarded to us uh, from YouTube. How could I not? And it completely destroyed my weekend. Like, didn't five minutes go by that I wasn't singing that song? Yeah, yeah. Or some variation thereof. <laughs> Same here. Uh, but I wanted to, to to pimp for a final time this season the uh, person who graciously provided our theme song for season five. It's the Game of Thrones 80s television theme remix by Highway Superstar. And you can find uh, all their content, including that track, at soundcloud.com slash highway superstar. That is always linked in all of our show notes. Uh, but I, I, I thank them mightily because I thought it was awesome. I thought it was the perfect fit for our show. It is, yeah. Made us, made us stand apart from uh, from the others. And it's better than that horrendous rap song you had last year. Yeah, uh, you know. I'm always, <laughs> A lot of people hated it. A lot yeah, of people loved it. So. I bristle. I bristle when people <laughs> go, go at Ari's prayer like that because I, 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 I just don't know. But, what are you going to uh, do? You can't please everyone. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is a reminder that we are going to be playing through Telltale's Game of Thrones video game, choose your own adventure type video game, starting tonight. Yeah. Uh, and I, you don't have to be familiar with video games uh, or the previous Telltale games to to pay attention and enjoy this, hopefully. I don't know how it's going because I haven't played it myself. So it'll be interesting, but we're going to record me and Jim... Uh, and my girlfriend Cecily playing through this game collaboratively, and we try to have fun with it. We are oh, not yeah. power gamers by any stretch of the imagination. If something is funnier than effective, we will go down that path. <laughs> uh huh. So we're going to be starting that tonight around seven thirty. Around seven o'clock, we're going to post an article on BaldMove.com. This is for premium subscribers only. Uh, so if you want to get in, uh, it's going to cost you two bucks. Or you know, buck a month if you if you buy in quantity, but it'll it'd be a minimum of two dollars to uh, uh, for the price of admission. You know, and this is not all you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like you're paying two bucks for this one video. No, for one, there's, there's going to be three episodes. There's going to be three total episodes, and we'll probably do them. I don't know if we'll do them as they drop, or we'll save them up for a pre preseason for next year. In which case, you can pay another two dollars and get those other two or three episodes. Yeah, but the, we're going to do the episodes that are out. Um, and it's going to st- stream from the Bald Move website. Uh, we're going to create the article 30 minutes in advance. We'll also slide it through Patreon and all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to get in on it now, go to club.baldmove.com and sign up. It's quick and easy, and you can get that access. And you don't have to watch it live. You can wait till all three of them come out and watch them in your leisure. You can watch them backwards. Yeah. You can splice five minutes at a time here. I don't really care. <laughs> uh <laughs> No, it but, should be fun though. But it, yeah, it was doing the Walking Dead ones was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and is I still think some of our funniest content. Some of those pieces, and we even had <laughs> we even had a character we called we dubbed the Kingslayer. Uh huh. 
in season two of the walking dead one that was that was pretty interesting i hear that there are characters from the show in this so maybe we'll see the actual kingslayer that'll be fun yeah maybe we can snub him (laughs) maybe we can i I hear you meet Jon snow i wonder if we can spoil his own you know give him a warning how many times do you think we're gonna say you know nothing Jon snow (laughs) (laughs) the number's not gonna be zero okay because you just did it uh, but yeah, that starts tonight, and we're going to be doing that every Tuesday night for the next two, three weeks mm-hmm. until we're we're done. Uh, so that'll be a ni- nice little way to extend your Game of Thrones experience, and also we'll probably get around to doing these next year as well. So if you want to wait until to next year, you can can uh, as well. But yeah, baldmove.com tonight. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints... Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away. And I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. I also want to talk about how to get old episodes because we did one of the side effects of us producing so much content is that we really burnt through our feed. Now, just the inside ball, the reason that we only go back 20 ish episodes in our feeds is because we've got and I'm not I don't entirely understand the technical issues behind this, but iTunes kind of starts governing you once you have so many accesses on a feed uh that they consider high traffic and it has a lot of content in it and what they do is they stop updating you frequently like they'll start only pulling you every day and then it's every two days and then it's you know every three to four days and we got bit by that on the walking dead a while back you know i think it was the first show that we got a significant amount of episodes for and you know it would take almost a week uh, so we trimmed their feeds down to like 20 ish episodes, which is what we, we, we tried to get a, a standard season in, Yeah, you know, for yeah. most of our shows and that covers it. But when you're doing three shows a week, that's like half a season mm-hmm. and that sucks. 
Um, there's a couple places if you want to get our old episodes. And keep in mind, we only have an archive back to season four because uh, I don't have uh, the first three seasons I did with Mad Brew. Uh, but if you want to go back and get all the spoiler stuff that I started last season, uh, best way to do it, uh, you can go to our website at baldmove.com. Click on podcast, click on the Game of Thrones feed, and it will show you all the articles on our site. And then you can go scroll to the bottom and, and do the previous next business to find the episode that you're looking for. Uh, if you use Stitcher, Stitcher has all of our feeds or all of our show uh, shows in their feed. If you're a Bald Move Premium subscriber, you can go to your accounts page when you log into Bald Move. It's at the top right of the website. And it allows you to access feeds that, since they're not going through iTunes, uh, we can provide you all of the episodes. So that's another good way. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, that's literally kind of the the, the only ways you can go about it right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, you know, and the nice thing about the website is that the the inline player plays on every major cell phone that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. So it's not quite. Yeah, it's got a fallback for, you know, if you can't do HTML5, it has Flash or vice versa, yeah. you know. And you can also download them all, too, as the raw MP3 files. So we're not trying to protect them in any way. It's just uh, making iTunes happy because iTunes yeah. is still like 70 plus percent of our. No, it's, you can't you can't have a podcast without iTunes. Yeah. At this point. You have like, to bow before the, the <laughs> iTunes feed gods. Sure. Uh, so anything else before we get into the discussion of the season? No. What did you think of the season kind of as a whole uh, uh, in comparison to other seasons? Okay, I, I yeah, I think we should make the distinction, you know. This is compared to the other seasons of this phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. Not compared to television in general. In compar- comparison to television in general, I feel like this is a, a great season sure. of TV, period. Uh, in comparison to the other, epi- uh, the other seasons of this show, I think it's probably the weakest. Yeah, it's either this or season two. And the way I personally rank it is three and four are... Mm-hmm almost identical for me in terms of quality and then okay. there's a slight step down uh for and, and it's not even a step down it's just not as many oh my god holy shit moments happen in season one mm-hmm. then you've got a reasonable drop off to season two and then i think season five is just below that yeah and like like i said i think in the last cast it depends on your perspective on it too because like you know Tyrion being my favorite character yeah doesn't get much better with Tyrion than season two right yeah Season two and three are his kind of like real yeah. places to shine. So, I mean, yeah, this isn't the perfect season by mm. any stretch. Uh, I went back and I rewatched a bunch of it before uh, between the last cast and this one. And I feel like the the same things we were complaining about still hold up, you know, even early on. So it's not it's like just sand snakes, blah, because sometimes, you know, on first watch, yeah. even us, we're watching two and three times. When you don't know what's going to happen in the next few yeah, episodes yeah, yeah. to kind of retroactively make it better. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that stuff still is not great. Mm-hmm. The stuff we pointed out, the Sand Snakes and the whole Dorn plot are not that interesting. Uh, they're not well constructed. The Stannis stuff, not well constructed. Uh, I, I just don't. I, I wish this season was a little bit better. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I got most of my uh, kinks on the season worked out last week in the spoiler cast and i don't you know it's it's not a fatal misstep uh Mm -hmm. this is the year it seems like maybe traffic plateaued for game of thrones because it started uh, last season ended on seven million ish and change and this season started uh eight million and change and it kind of dipped below there and then it got back to around uh eight eight and a half million for the finale 
Um, but it's certainly, you know, and, and, and I don't know what the pirated numbers because they tr- tr- traditionally are even bigger. Mm-hmm. But it seems like as far as paid customers that we might have reached peak Game, Thro- peak, peak Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what to make of that. I mean – that's still pretty amazing. The numbers yeah. are hitting. It's by far the most <laughs> popular show on Game of Th- or on HBO. I was gonna say it's not like you know. There's a limit. There's an upper limit somewhere. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if they're starting to find it. All right. Um, at, at least for the size of audience they have now. Sure. I mean, it kind of happened to Walking Dead too, where yeah. it's like it got to the stratosphere and and achieved orbit. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you? Yeah. I mean, sure, you can go to outer space. You can go <laughs> to another galaxy, but. Good luck getting there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. I mean, it, eventually, I think we're we're hoping for a a world in which every living being on the planet watches Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, and it's just a it's the births racing against the deaths to see how many uh-huh. more subscribers. It's like the Truman get. Show, right? <laughs> it, it, exactly. Like society just shuts down. We have the national fiesta, uh, or siesta rather. Yeah. Um, every day to watch Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And that's it, and we're in season twenty five, and. Tyrion's still around, riding dragons. I'm curious to see if you've come around any on some of the cliffhanger deaths. Like, you seem to be pretty skeptical of Stannis being alive. Sure. And I, I've I've gotten onto some Reddits, and there is an interesting theory where uh, that makes thematic sense, that when Stannis, when he was leaning up against a tree, uh, we got a couple other theories to read, but he's leaning up against a tree, and she gives him this spiel about how she's Rinley's last surviving member of this Kingsguard, and she's there to whoop his ass. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like nods into the distance and says, do your duty then. People pointed out that the way he is lying, he was actually nodding towards Winterfell and coincidentally saying, do your duty, hit Brienne as a reminder that she should be there for Stannis. Or I'm sorry, for Santa, Sansa. Mm-hmm. And that then the theory is somehow Sansa is going to use Stannis as a bartering chip to get Sansa. That, okay. I mean, no, I, I don't like, where's the evidence? Well, I mean, where's the evidence? I think, I don't know. Like if, if the evidence is that they smash cut away from her just as she's about to kill him. Absence of evidence and cannot be no, evidence, no, no. This man. This is a it's theory. Like, this is a I get theory. It. I get and this it. is the evidence for it. They smash cut away so you can't say that he is, in fact, dead. Mm-hmm. In fact, it would be strange for this show to smash cut away from someone's death and then turns out that, oh, no, no, yeah, they died as as scheduled. It'd be much more Game of Thronesy to not have him die. And secondly, the whole do your duty thing is the one that I thought was pretty impressive. Because that cuts at the heart. That could be, you know, that I could see a person like Brienne taking that and interpreting it as, oh shit, he's this this asshole's right. I should. And it, yeah, but that that completely contradicts what you were saying about the way she made her oath. Yeah, but people to Catelyn previous. I agree. Le- I mean, legally, I think she's in the clear, but I don't. Brienne never struck me as a strictly legal type of person. Okay. She seems to be more interested in the spirit of honor and chivalry and justice than the mere letter of the law. She's more of a chaotic good oh, than a lawful. I get good. it, but like he says that, and you turn around and walk toward what your other duty. Like she has two duties here, right? Well, and one mean, of them is to lop off the head of the man sitting literally right in front of her. If she can, she's got her sword up high, ready to go. Yeah, she's not going to take the half a second to chop his head off and then go do her duty with Sansa. 
Well, but I'm saying is if you have a live Stannis to barter with the Boltons to get Stanza. Now, she's unaware that Stanza took a header off of the cliffs of Winterfell here. Sure. So I'm saying like there's – and also you got to think of if, if Brienne had Stannis alive as a hostage, how – and then she's treating with the Boltons. That's probably high comedy because they're going to lie. Of course. And cheat of course. and Brienne against the Boltons is no match at all. But it's an interesting setup for oh. next season. Like other events would probably have to ensue to keep her from just getting a crossbow or, or getting strapped down to an X and flayed for her troubles. But I think it's interesting to see to simultaneously preserve Stannis and still somewhat of a villainous role and have him reduced to a chip that someone else is playing. I think that's hmm. kind of interesting. Okay. Uh, doesn't yeah, seem like yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's registering on, on the Jim Richter scale here. No, I just, I just don't see it happening. Um, I mean, the evidence is super flimsy at best. Okay. All right. It's all extrapolating on something that may or may not have happened. Whereas on the screen, we see quite a bit. So you're a you're a uh, agnostic deathist for Stannis, sure. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. Um, also, there is something I want to talk about before we get to the feedback is, and that's like kind of my ruling on whether people are safe if they're just show watchers to start like just going hog wild into the spoiler section of the podcast and going on to wiki of ice and fire and 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 reading up their heart's content. There's a couple things that I want to say um, is that there are three main storylines from the books that have yet to be addressed. And it was my opinion up until a couple of weeks ago that the show was probably just going to streamline those and, and eliminate them. But I saw some casting news that heavily implies that the majority of these plot lines are going to boomerang back hmm. and be renewed with significance for next season. The mountains being recast. <laughs> <laughs> again uh, again again no so there you know i'm not saying that any of those are on the are, are on the red wedding or purple wedding or mountain and the viper level of oh shit okay. but they are significant um, all right that's cool so and, and and again i thought that they were just not going to do them but you know then that's the other argument so how significant are they i, I you know mm -hmm. i don't know because those are Similar to a lot of this stuff where they're in the middle of their resolution. So how would I know yeah. if they're significant yeah. or not? Um, also, I think that if you're a, a spoiler phobe, you probably aren't going to do this anyway. But if you're on the fence, I know that a lot of the theories that, that the book readers talk amongst themselves about are built on material that's kind of more obvious in the books than it is in the show. Okay. You know, because the books, you can do things like the way that Barristan introduced himself uh, to Danny was as a disguised person. He was wearing a robe and he had the Obi-Wan Kenobi beard and he was just parading around as a different character for a good chunk of the books until he reveals himself at a very dramatic time. Whereas that would be, you know, ridiculous in the show. Yeah, you'd need like faceless man type stuff. Exactly. So because of that, there's a lot of things that are that are more hints or maybe even absent from the show that are made fairly obvious, especially even if you're a really stupid book reader mm -hmm. and you get on the forums, there are plenty of people to make sure that you didn't miss any of the non-obvious stuff. So I could see how some people would be bummed out because things in the books that have not been presented in the show will actually spoil things that are presented in the show. Hmm. Okay. And I assume that as we get closer to those theories being confirmed or denied, that there will be some kind of similar hints in the show. Um, you know, and I think the show, like, I'm big on the theory of 
anytime we see birds in the season, that that is going to we're going to understand in season six that that's been Bran, yeah, yeah. kind of looking at events unfold in Westeros and on Essos. Could mm-hmm. be bullshit, um, but that's kind of a way they can hint things in a show that I don't know that would work in the books. It would be extremely explicit in the books if like Bran's got an omniscient view and he's looking through birds. You just know because sure, you know the, it's written from his POV. You. So. Um, but yeah, I, I think the reverse case, some people could be disappointed, uh, and a lot of stuff you're missing out on when I was going back and reflecting on some of these spoiler stuff is that they're like prophecies and literary allusions from characters that you might not even be familiar with in settings that, you know, you're not going to be familiar with because they were very streamlined or cut out of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's like some of it might not even be interesting because it's two people that you don't know talking about a third person that you might know. In a situation, and I'm just paraphrasing because I'm talking to book readers, and as a show watcher, you might be like, first 15 minutes, I don't even know what the fuck just he's talking about. Uh-huh. Now, having said that, you know, like, like for example, Maggie the Frog, you know, open up the season with Cersei and the younger, more beautiful queen uh-huh. and the golden shrouds for all your kids. I talked about that in last season, and I'm just talking about Maggie the Frog and Cersei's prophecy, and you'd be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're not scared by potential two or three semi-major, you know, A minus, B plus plot lines uh, that could be spoiled for you. If you're not intimidated about hearing characters you don't know anything about with prophecies that might not come true, um, then I think you're a good candidate to join the ranks of the adventuresome show watchers. Okay. That's good advice for people. And I think also right or wrong, you need to be prepared if you join like different, I mean, not particular to bald move forums because we're more opening, but you get in some of these forums, and if you're just a show watcher and you start joining in on the, yeah. I'm, a, I'm 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 anticipating a lot of sh- a book reader type chauvinism mm-hmm. that you're going to be marginalized and and not considered a true fan. Game and, of Thrones hipsters, yeah, and they're I mean, gonna they're gonna cram is. the 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 you should read the books down your throat every chance you get or they get. So I had a gilded steel hand before; it was cool. <laughs> yeah, that kind of shit. Uh, yeah. So if you're if you can you can hang with all that, then yeah, by and large, we're pretty much caught up and in 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 some important ways beyond the books. But it's it's it was hard for me because in this season, Jamie does like in the books. Jamie doesn't go to Dorne. It's two Kingsguard members that were me- like just you mentioned by name, but you didn't know them as characters, and yeah, they were the yeah. point of view characters for everything happened in Dorne. So like, hmm. does that mean they're going to take what Jamie was doing in the books, and that's going to be his thing for next season? Like, I I don't even know where to talk about bo- difference between books. And the show what that is, you know? Sure, yeah, when they switch it up that much. Same thing with Sansa. In the book, Sansa's still chilling in the veil with Littlefinger and Sweet Robin. <laughs> wow, okay. And she's not at Winterfell getting raped by Ramsay Bolton. Some other poor woman is. Sure. But, yeah. you know, it's like it's that's that's a hard thing to reconcile and say, which is the real version? I assume... That as we go on, that these kind of plot lines will condense in some way that'll make sense. Same thing with Stannis. We leave Stannis. His troops are cold and hungry, and he's planning the siege of Winterfell. And that's it. There's no burning of Shireen. There's no huh. Melisandre riding off to the wall. Okay, that's a pretty significant difference. I, I would in say a way so. that I can't like kind of like oh well, I think I they're going to you know it's like that's just new stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, I don't like. I, that's kind of been a tradition. I've done it for four seasons in a row, but 
I am at a loss because I don't want to talk about the differences because the differences might be remixed in the major character plot lines next season. Sure. Could be giving away inadvertent spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so, some of the stuff that, like, I guess the most interesting thing yeah. at the end of this, if you grant that Sansa's probably going to live yeah. Uh, after you've seen that the Russians on the rooftop video. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that's one of the more interesting storylines that's currently going. I mean, aside from hmm. Tyrion, obviously, who how how so? Favorite. Just her survival is interesting. Her or? survival and what Littlefinger is doing, like because mm. we haven't seen Littlefinger in several episodes now. Like that's the thing that worries me is that he is kind of off doing his thing. Yeah, he conspired with Elena briefly before. Yeah, uh, disappearing entirely from the show. Yeah, you got to wonder where he's at. You got to wonder how he's going to reconnect with Sansa if he is. Even. Sure. Uh, I think Sansa, maybe her best bet is like head north, go to the wall where she thinks John is, mm-hmm. is Lord Commander. Now, John might be dead. John's right. probably dead. I think he's dead. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe she gets up there and, you know, Melisandre has worked her magic and he's a monster at this point. And okay. like, what, what horrors does that reap upon Sansa. You always want to you're 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 wanting to go with the John comes back as a monster theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, he could come back like Dondarrion or whatever his name is. Or uh, what about Danny as a comparison? You know, Danny was down and out, abandoned by all of her friends and most of her supporters, and jumped on a burning pyre, intending to commit suicide with Cal Drogo, and she emerges with three dragons and no clothes and she's... yeah i don't think she died though like that's a difference that's, i don't i don't think that she died whereas but a reasonable person comes back. would see her and think oh yes she's dead like the final scene of her like did you like like look at her afterwards and say "Ooh, this is the ghost of no 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 no. i'm not Danny. saying that i'm saying i'm trying to think of what i thought when i first saw the show okay did I believe when she went into the funeral pyre that she was coming back out? I guess that the show, because I was a show watcher only, the show did a good enough job of suggesting that she has some kind of resistance to heat that that I was I, I, I kind of suspected stuff, yeah. her to come back out. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the show, they haven't shown that John can survive multiple stab wounds to the gut. No. They haven't like shown <laughs> Not him. that I've seen. Like Ollie trips on uh, taking a stew and plunges a dagger and like, no, that's all right. It's <laughs> It's just a wee poking. I'm fine. Uh, uh, so, yeah. But I'd say that, you know, a person burning to death is as just as good a death as someone being stabbed and bleeding out. And yet that person came back and came out stronger and, and more good, more good guy. So it's That's interesting the thing. I never that felt you just like, think he's going to come back as a monster. Because I felt like he's a normal person, right? Danny has been the mother of dragons for so long. And what comes along with that after the fact, I guess, is, hmm. you know being fireproof or something i'm not totally sure yet yeah um but i i don't know it's, it's a different scenario with danny than it is with john because i i view him as just a regular dude okay now if that's not the case and if if melisandre has you know something up her sleeve which she very well might magic powders magic or you know praying to whatever god brings you back the god of of blood and and tits or something yeah, i don't know tits and wine that's the one well, she doesn't really do wine as far as i can tell <laughs> uh yeah i i don't know so it'd be interesting if sansa gets up there and has to you know I, maybe it's even interesting if she gets up there and john is resurrected and fine hmm. you know and like she finds out the story of we tried to kill him we couldn't do it 
And like, what does she do with that information? Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like that's her best bet, right? Where does she go now? Yeah. Little, unless Littlefinger swoops in and catches her on the way down, uh-huh. I don't know that they're going to meet back up. Maybe, maybe Brand finds her. I mean, maybe she's lurking around the castle and they go off to do something else. There is some awesome, and I think it's time to start getting to the feedback now because there is a lot of awesome topics brought up by our listeners and some co- pretty cool, solid theories for like what Littlefinger's up to that okay. I, yeah. I hadn't uh, considered. So let's get right to it. Hey, it's time for another season of Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? The premise is simple. A Gen Xer and a millennial watch old 80s action TV to see what still works and what doesn't. In previous seasons, we've done podcasts for Knight Rider, Airwolf, MacGyver, A-Team, and more. However, this year we're doing a very special season of Feeney. We're going back and reviewing the very special episodes of 80s and 90s sitcoms. Come cringe along with us as Hollywood tries to warn our families of the dangers of underage smoking, drug abuse, alcoholism, eating disorders, and much more. We start out with the episode of Boy Meets World where a high school kid gets sucked into a cult. Worlds collide as the Mr. Feeney finally makes an appearance on Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? Join me and my buddy Jay each week for episodes full of nostalgia and secondhand embarrassment. And don't worry, a very special isn't your speed. We've also got some all-time classic Knight Rider episodes to close the season with. Find Why is Mr. Feeney a Car? each Wednesday on Bald Move Pulp starting April 3rd. We're about 10 weeks out from House of the Dragon Season 2, and it's time to prepare for war. Which in our case means, well, watching a lot of Hot D and reading a lot of Fire and Blood. Each week between now and June 16th, Maester Anthony and his co-host Steve are hosting a watch of each episode of Hot D Season 1. And then me and Jim are going to host a discussion of the differences between the events on that episode and how they're recounted in George R.R. Martin's historical tome, Fire and Blood. That's right, I've resorted to reading dragon books. God help us all. We'll see if my fresh eyes add any new insights or predictions into Season 2. Arm yourselves with all the lore you can for the battles ahead. House of the Dragon returns June 16th, but we've got you covered until then. Check out all of our upcoming Hot D coverage on the Hot D feed or on Bald Move Pulp, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this uh, episode, this wrap-up episode is sponsored by Audible, uh, the fine folks at audible.com, and you can get a free trial of their service by using our promo code and going to audiblepodcast.com slash G-O-T uh, to sign up and get a free audiobook download of your choice. And as I've been saying all season, they are great because they have the complete and unabridged works of George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. And what's really cool about it is it also synchronizes with the the Kindle system. So if you have a Kindle re- book reader, and by if you have a, a any kind of modern tablet, Android or iOS tablet or cell phone, congratulations, you have a Kindle reader. You can read the book, and it will synchronize where you stopped, and then when you get in your car or you board your airplane or you get on your yacht or, or you start jogging or any other type of conveyance, human locomotion... Because that's the only reason. Do you have to be moving? To, you don't have to, to make this work. You can okay. be laying on the beach, or you just can't. Uh-huh. You can't be in any kind of mundane situation. Who sits in a reading chair and listens <laughs> to a book for God's sakes? Uh-huh. 
but if you wanted to, you still can. Wherever you get tired of reading, uh, you can pl- you can start the Audible app, and it'll automatically sync to the place where you left off and start reading from there. And that can just, just be this virtuous cycle of, of inhaling the works of George R. R. Martin. Whisper sync. Highly recommend it. Uh, I'm going to play for a little audio sample provided by the good folks at, uh, at Audible. I'm going to play you the the way John's death goes down in the books. Okay. It's pretty much the same. You can compare and contrast if that's kind of your thing. But uh, here it is. Then Bowen Marsh stood there before him, tears running down his cheeks. For the watch, he punched John in the belly. When he pulled his hand away, the dagger stayed where he had buried it. John fell to his knees. He found the dagger's hilt and wrenched it free. In the cold night air, the wound was smoking. Ghost, he whispered. Pain washed over him. Stick them with a pointy end. When the third dagger took him between the shoulder blades, he gave a grunt and fell face first into the snow. He never felt the fourth knife, only the cold. Imagine, you could have, you could have experienced that five years ago. If you were if you were reading the books and you'd had the same situation, us book readers, where we now have no idea what's going on and we're on the same footing and all that. But if you if you want to go back and get the the obscure details and the hints and and get on the spoilers and the theories and 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 try to divine what's happening next, the only way you can do it is by reading the books. Audible provides a great way to do that. And it's not just George's works. There's a hundred over hundred eighty five thousand complete unabridged audio works that Audible provides. And again, you can get a free sample on us by going to audiblepodcast.com slash GOT, sign up for a month and you get a free audiobook uh and you can do it for whatever. Seems like seems like the uh you know Dance of Dragons or one of the the George Martin books would be a good place to start, but you know, mm-hmm. they got lots of Stephen King on there. Oh yeah. Uh name a name a popular author and they've got the work. Uh, Edward Snowden <laughs> <laughs> No, John Green. The thing is, it's not on a bridge. It's heavily redacted. It is, yeah. You know, yeah. it's just essentially long stretches of silence with, uh, you know, and or the conjunctions. Uh-huh. It's mostly conjunctions, the works of Edward Snowden, <laughs> uh, after the CIA got uh-huh. uh, an No names in his stories. It's No names, it's no places, yeah. no dates, no uh-huh. identifying details of any kind for matters of operational security. <laughs> but yeah, uh, go to audiblepodcast.com slash GOT and get started right now. Carson B., regarding the Stannis and Brienne scene that we debated, he says, have you all seen the movie The Patriot with Mel Gibson? Sure. What, what kind of question is that? Have I not seen a Mel Gibson action <laughs> film? Other I've than, seen a lot of them, man. Other than Road Warrior, which is, a, sure, a glaring omission, but I think it's, yeah. it's, it's what proves the rule. Do you remember the scene when his oldest son, Gabriel, set out to hunt down Colonel William Tavington for killing his wife in the burning church? The scene reaches its frenzied end as the two men race to reload their weapons with Gabriel getting off the first shot and Tavington going down on his stomach. In an homage to his father's former days of scalping his enemies, Gabriel slowly approaches Tavington's lifeless body with knife in hand. As he lunges to strike, Tavington rolls over and gores him with a fucking bayonet. Mm. I think the same thing could have happened to Brienne. With sword raised high for a glorious, vengeful killing blow, Stannis lunges up with one or both of the weapons he still has in his hands and ends the story of Brienne the Knight. Do we really believe Stannis going out like that? Or did he lure her into a false sense of security with, I've resigned that I'm the dead man, just do what you need to do. 
He also points out that Brienne lets out a cry as the scene is cut that many have assumed is a medieval version of the karate. Hey, mm-hmm. But to me, it sounded more like a startled, oh, shit, I took a sword in the gut. Uh, I suppose. I mean, he kind of did that to those two guys, right? right? Yeah. So you... Although I will say that killing two nameless Bolton mooks is not the same as killing no. Brienne of Tarth. Of course, yeah. And, you know, she's armored, but, of course, there are joints and armor, and Stannis, mm-hmm. um, you know, would know how to exploit those. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, ne- I never considered the fact that he might turn the tables and kill her because, to me, the reason it doesn't make sense for Jon to die is because there is an essential mystery that the, the, the books have, and the show has left dangling about his parentage and perhaps him meant for greater things. Uh, Brienne, it would be weird to kill her because I feel like thematically and, and and narratively there is unfinished business between her and Jamie. So until her and right. Jamie yeah. are reunited with some kind of I don't know what, it would be weird to kill her or Jamie off. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I I don't know why, but for some reason that feels more plausible to me than than the idea that Brienne is just going to turn around and walk away, given the opportunity to do her duty here. Yeah. In, in abandonment for some other kind of duty. Yeah, I'm just thinking, like, what does that do if he does kill Brienne? It eliminates Brienne, and he's still a more potentially mortally wounded character in the middle of hostile forces with no backup at all. Yeah. So... I mean, either way, he's not going to raise another army and come back again. Yeah. You wouldn't think. Now... If he does make some kind of attack on her that she foils, that might give her more time to consider what to do with him. You know, instead of just yeah. beheading him, she might decide what other way she could use him. I don't know. So that might be an interesting kind of smooth transition and back into that that plot or to, re- to introduce it. Yeah. It's not Game of Thrones style to end on a action based cliffhanger and then come out, come back in the middle of that action. It's more Game of Thrones style to cut all the action out, and the next yeah. time you see it, like you know, it's just Stannis will have happened. will be tied up on the back of her horse, and she'll be riding, and we'll figure or out. Or they'll never mention Stannis again, and he's dead, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that's kind of again. It would be shocking for me if if he dies off screen and is never mentioned again. Yeah, it, I mean, it's interesting how they constructed this finale just with so many cliffhangers yeah. because I, it's, I don't feel like it's something that Game of Thrones has ever done before. No. Um, and it says to me that at least one of those characters is not dead. Yeah. I think probably the best bet is Sansa, maybe Jon, or or if Jon is dead, which he certainly looks like he is sure. quickly dying. Yep. I don't think there's any disputing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, stabbed in the heart, you die within a, a minute or so, right? Yeah. Uh, so something is going to have to save him. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. Something has to save Sansa if she's going to live. Yeah. I, I don't know. Clearly, someone is going to live out of that group, and some of them are going to die. I don't think they can all live. I think we'll feel cheated. Okay. I agree. I don't think that every ball tossed in the air can be miraculously saved from smashing on the ground. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. But it's also... I, I also don't think that every one of them can can smash I agree. either yeah we need one saved person out of that group and, and then the, the rest have to die and from a narrative point of view it might be useful to just have stannis die off camera and not be mentioned again just so we can stop saying well the one thing you can count on in game of thrones if they pull away from the action you uh, know what i'm saying like yeah like if, we didn't see him die if the jump scares dead. always pay off they don't work anymore you got to throw in a kitten 
coming out of a cupboard sure. every once in a while before you hit him with the axe murderer, or else it's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, switch it up. Uh, Josh S. said, hey, guys, just listen to your podcast for the finale and caught your discussion about why the Night's Watch would kill Jon Snow when they did. And not, you know, in, in, in context, this is why didn't they kill him outside the gates? I have a theory. Melisandre had just returned and told them that Stannis lost and everything was gone. Now John and Stannis got along, and Stannis believes in punishing those who break the law, even if it isn't the popular thing to do. If the members of the Watch turned on John when Stannis was still alive, then there was a good chance Stannis would march his army back to the Wall and hang them all for treason. Now that Stannis is gone, who is there to punish them for turning on their Lord Commander? Stannis is the only king who responded to the Wall when they asked for help. I like that's actually a really good explanation for it. Yeah, it's fear of Stannis coming back and and hanging them all that that had them toe the line. As soon as they found out that John no longer had political cover, yeah. In fact, all right, it makes so much sense. I can't believe it took a week for <laughs> that. To, and then I've not seen this theory outside of the mailbag. So, blazing hmm. new trails there, Josh. Yeah, uh, good but stuff. yeah, that is good. Uh, Carl said. Is the only way to become a white to be killed by other whites or white walkers, or can any person that was killed in the past become a white? Uh, I'm so this is kind of like reviving this debate, and wondered if af- after you've seen the episode, the season again, and with your zombie lore, if you had an opinion on this. He continues, my viewing and reading of the book's experience is that to become a white, you have to be killed by a white or a white walker. Tormund killing Rattleshirt hmm. was pretty cool in episode eight, Hardhome. One would think he would get a cameo when the Night's King was raising the dead at the end of the episode. I can't think of any other character in the show or books who was killed by anyone but the White or White Walkers that we have seen or read about that has become a White. Characters that have not been killed by Whites, Corrin Halfhand, he has had no cameo as a White, Craster, no cameo, etc. So I've also heard suggested that dead humans, you know, like what's the difference between a White and a White Walker, that dead humans can become Whites and live humans can become White Walkers. Also, people asking, well, is every graveyard in Westeros going to be a potential army depot yeah. for the White Walkers? I like this, that you have to be directly killed by the White Walkers armies or magic to be eligible to become a White. Because otherwise... I mean, it solves that problem, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, there's there's not enough info in the show. There's not. To, to even guess at that. There is, but... At least this theory is falsifiable. If we ever saw someone killed by yeah. just whatever come back as a white, then we could say this theory is not correct. Yeah. But it is, I think his point with Rattleshirt as well. Take, I mean, they got that guy in the awesome getup, mm-hmm. and, you know, they had him there on the location, have him stand up in the background. The fact that he didn't is kind of, in, you know, could could mean something. I'm not. Totally it's like sure, I, I get your whole yeah. absence of evidence, but that's like I think there's an in between ground. At some point, like absence of evidence starts to become yes suggestive. Yes, it's, uh, become, it's it's moved past an outlier and become statistically significant yeah. in itself. But you're right. Why? Like if that's what they wanted to show us, they certainly didn't show us that. So I, I just don't think they've cared to tell us yet. All know? right. Do you think? Do you think that's because so because <laughs> they don't know? That's the thing. Like, <laughs> if Martin knows the rules and he hasn't shared us with them because there's going to be something interesting later, I'm fine with. I'm less fine with. Well, I haven't even really thought it. I haven't figured it out myself because that that starts leading down Lost and X Files and that feels like the Gardner path though, doesn't it? A little bit like. 
Well, I'll consider that when I need to. Yeah, but a gardener just doesn't take a bunch of seeds and fucking shake them up and throw them on. Yeah. Like, you know, you prepare the soil, you you pick the seeds, you plant them in pleasing arrangements. Uh-huh. It's not as just haphazard as No, as, I, certainly as there's a science to, to gardening. So I'm saying, like, if he doesn't Obviously. have all the magical rules and undead rules worked out in his head, then that could be troubling. Yeah. Because, again, that's how you get into Especially this deep into it, right? Yeah. Like, once you introduce a character yeah. or a, a a new race or force or whatever these things are, I feel like you kind of have to understand them on a base level. Yeah. And if you don't, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, but he's, he tweets you, you can shit make that scares the hell out of me on, oh, really? on like, the, the one he just posted as live journal is, oh, there's a major character that I've always known is going to have to die, but I've never figured out how to kill him, and I just realized last night the perfect way to do it. Uh-huh. I'm like, seriously? He's talking about seriously? himself. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That got dark. Sorry. Um... <laughs> You're going to feel so bad. <laughs> You've been doing this on pod. It's going to bite you in the ass one of these days. It will. Joking about me and Martin dying. It's not going to end well for you, man. Oops. Um, but no, I, yeah, that scares me. It's like, really? If he's a significant sure. major character that you haven't figured out the general fate of, and I guess maybe death is the general fate, but yeah. it's it scares me about that. Like, you know, if, if in season 5.A at the end of that, uh, Vince Villigan had tweeted, I just figured it out how Walter White should end up. I'd be like, really? Yeah. Really? I was hoping you knew that back in season one or were working towards that. But uh-huh. Anyway, uh, Lori says, I keep looking for that mer- Mother's Mercy theme in the episode and in season and thinking of how many final moments we saw may not be so final. They did show Bronze experience with the antidote Tyene had around her neck in the jail scene. If you look at Tyene's neck as Bronn gets that disturbing goodbye kiss with the bad pussy, she is wearing a necklace with a tiny blue vial on it. Maybe that ear bite was the perfect distraction for an experienced pickpocket like Bronn to snatch a new way to be a hero to Marcella. Okay, I I mean, maybe. The, the problem I have with that is he would have had to known that he needed it. I mean... Maybe he just wants to take it for the fuck of it, but... Well, that's... Yeah. Like, certainly he doesn't know at that point that he needs an antidote. Yeah. Uh, That's the only problem I have with that. I think Braun is probably capable. What if she is... And here's where, like, I, my eyes start rolling. But I'm going to play internet advocate. What if she actually has fallen in love with Braun? And she and told has, him the plan. has turned traitor to yeah. the, her you know, family and her country and, 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 and gave him the antidote on the sly. That's where I thought they were. And he won't know though, why, yeah. but mm-hmm. he'll know like, and then as soon as he hears him, herself has been poisoned. We'll see like Braun kick in the door and shove it down her throat and she'll survive. Maybe another, Maybe. another theory that I've seen popularized on the internet is Tristane, like Doran's nobody's fool. He knows that the vipers are all about the poison uh-huh. and he's going to have like, uh, a, a, a doctor's little medical bag worth of antidote with him just in case they pulled something like this shit. Yeah, I feel like that th- that would feel more right to me. Which then, but, opposite of like this being a shit show of you killed the princess, treachery, it would actually, you know, you can imagine Jamie would be like totally in on Tristane and Doran at that point. Yeah. So if you're yeah. trying to draw in the Lannisters close and make them, that would be a, a good way to do it. So, which is the broader theory of Doran is in on it because some people so like here, you remember okay. the scene where they're saying goodbye and like a Larry is sitting there glaring at Jamie and then Doran looks at her and gives her a nod. 
And she goes forward and then kisses Marcella in an inappropriate and poisonous way. Mm-hmm. People are interpreting that nod as like, do it. Poisoner, not like kiss this girl before she goes. Show some proper respect here. I took it as like, son of a bitch, if I have to get up out of this wheelchair. <laughs> and if I have to have Ario carry me here. over there yeah. to have you show, you know, it's it's that's how I saw it. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's super interesting. I like I can't imagine that Dorn would be in on it based on his, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you sort of deal. Oh, we have an interesting or interpretation the, of that. The coming. opposite of that, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, that would feel really weird. Like, uh-huh. is he saying, like, you failed me? You failed to kill Marcella when I wanted you to? That like, is part of the, that's also the, part of the theory does, that you fucked up. All of the speeches that we've seen from Doran to uh, Alaria, like oh, I, Oberyn was supposed to do get her vengeance. He fucked up. You and your sand snakes were supposed to abduct her. I I pulled all my guards out of the palace, made it as easy as possible. You fucked that up. Uh-huh. This is your last goddamn chance to get to get square with us. Now it also it didn't can, feel like that. I, and then maybe that's just the show framing it in a way that makes it. I was gonna say that's another feel way different than of it saying actually that is. if they do reveal that that is, it would kind of be amazing. Yeah, as, as it, long as it was well revealed. Yes, that would be key. Like it has to be revealed in a way that doesn't make me feel like I'm being lied to. Yes, in, in last season, it can't but, be a you know the usual suspect situation. It's got to be exactly. more sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. We got some more to come on that later. Chris B says. During your last podcast, you were debating about the confusing scenes in A House of Black and White. After watching the episode, I think the Double Ds were sending a clear message about the culture and identity of the faceless men. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's explained by Jacken that it's clear that the reason Arya was blinded is because she donned the face of another before she was truly no one, thereby rendering whatever weird face magic behind the faces is uh, poisonous. Yeah. I think the twist or turnaround of Jacken dying and then not dying was a visual representation of the true no oneness of the faceless men. The symbolism behind Arya peeling face after face off of dead Jacken reveals that no one in the house of black and white can have a true face or identity. They're all no one and everyone. Personally, as a book reader, I found this very satisfying and telling of the culture of the faceless men, along with a good explanation as to why, as to the difficulty of truly becoming no one. We as viewers are left to wonder if Jacken in the house of black and white was even the same Jacken from Harrenhal. Maybe it's just a standard face sure. that many faceless men wear. Maybe the waif girl is just using that face because whomever it is enjoys playing the role of a helpless-looking little girl for newcomers. We don't know how many of them there are and who they really are, which is the whole point of the faceless men after all. Thoughts? Because yeah. I have a couple strong thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, my question is, how does Arya see her own face? Unless the poison makes her hallucinate. The poison of a... A yeah, I mask. buy that. Yeah. I buy that. That, but my, I guess so. If the faceless men are kind of like this Borg type of identity, it kind of cheapens the friendship and the relationship that she and Jacken had. You know, if he's literally, if that's not even the same guy, now that could be interesting as like another floor dropping out of the moment for Arya. Mm-hmm. That like who you who you thought were friends and associates and all that were they really? Sure. Like, you know, kind of another way to disassociate her from human emotions, which is kind of frightening. <laughs> but I mean, that's what it's going to take. Though, it's like, I seems. guess it's like one of those things like I don't like that interpretation because I really liked her and Jacken's friendship. But I guess if you make him a, a truly faceless man, there could be some interesting ramifications for that in Arya's development. Mm-hmm. So 
don't know. We'll have to see. Thought it was a strong take, though. Robert P. said, hey, guys, in episode three, uh, wait, in season three, episode six, when Melisandre takes Gendry from the Brotherhood, she looks Arya straight into her eyes and says, I see darkness in your eyes. It's staring back. Brown eyes, blue eyes, green eyes, eyes that will be shut forever. We will meet again. Uh, yeah, or we will meet again. I may have misquoted a bit, but anyway, there's more evidence that the Red Priest can predict things based on what sounds like a faceless man reference. All right. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, and I... I think back then in the spoiler section, I did talk about how I thought that was a nod to Arya becoming, you know, wearing the faces in the books mm-hmm. um, and a pretty smart kind of foreshadowing of that. And then I forgot yeah, I, it I mean, until go- Robert reminded me. <laughs> uh, also going blind, you know, I mean, does that indicate that she is going to be blind forever? That this is not something she'll recover from? Well, works for Daredevil. It. I know. I know. You said that in the other cast. It's... <laughs> It does. I just don't know that this is, you know, a Marvel superhero show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a, a blind woman. It also works ass. for the Kumite. So yeah. do what you're going to do without being able to see, I guess. Right. No, I mean, like, also, I, you, I'm you, i sure not a fan of the uh, the animated series Last Airbender. Uh, no. But there is a little blind girl character that is really cool. Uh that that is a, a lot like Arya, and that I could see a parallels of that. So yeah, I mean, being blind forever does not preclude you from being a badass. In fact, sure, it could make for an an even cooler, almost super heroic badass. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure there's there's I know at least we have one blind listener, and she's probably like, it's not a fucking superpower, uh, <laughs> of course. However, yeah. that does seem to be the trope. You know, your other senses are heightened, and that's where they seem to go in fiction. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So anyway, and, and it, you know, it's partially based on reality um, or maybe all blind people are superheroes and we just don't know it. There you go. If they weren't for blind people, the world would be even a bigger shithole than it was. They're holding the general shittiness down their tireless crusade against uh, injustice. <laughs> Wally from Connecticut uh, had a couple things that he wants to make uh, predictions for. All he right. said Ari and Bran are, of course, Stark siblings. We know Bran didn't get his warging abilities until he was crippled. Arya is now crippled, as in being blind. I think she is going to get warging abilities now. Mm. Do you see? He's going to warg into Jack and take over. <laughs> uh, yep, not going to make some Jack and puns. Nope, uh, don't all do right, it. and in fact, I'll just move on because I'm flustered. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Can you warg into someone like as they're dying and control their body once they're gone? Could she warg into Jon Snow and raise him up and start beating people's asses? You know... Like, she might lose herself. I know, like, there's that whole thing, but... Uh, the only thing I can say is, as a book reader, the thought has crossed my mind of whether okay. that such a thing is possible and and whether that fits in the plot somehow. But hmm. I can't say any more than that. All right. So, uh, yeah, mildly interesting theory you got there. Hadn't, hadn't been able to trot that out for a couple of weeks. Um, in fact, going forward, I'm, I, we might have to retire. Mildly interesting. How, when are you going to say it? I, it might the be wind, naturally If the retired. winds of winter don't blow until after next summer, then yeah. probably never. Never again is the answer. <laughs> uh, he also said Tyrion designed a special saddle for Bran in season one that worked very well. Tyrion has some skills as a non-conventional saddle maker. Ergo, he will design one for Daenerys yes. to ride Drogon. No, get, fuck Daenerys. Get on that thing, Tyrion. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? Tyrion himself is a dragon rider. Yes. A lion riding yes. a dragon? What the you fuck is this You make the saddle. Shit? You got to at least test it out. Am I wrong? 
Yes, I think you are wrong. He literally did not test the saddle that he designed for Bran. He rode off we, and assumed it went as he planned. I mean, okay. All right. If you're not going to test your products, I don't know who is. I mean, he doesn't want your to become poor, a saddle. He doesn't, want get, customers? he doesn't want to get pigeonholed as a saddle consultant. <laughs> He's got, you know, you start that and you never get away from it. That's true. I doubt his feet could reach the stirrups either. It's support right? like, after the sales. It always bites your asses when you're talking about you're right. specialty saddles. You're right. You can never get away from it. <laughs> Uh, he also has a wild show tinfoil theory, which he says parenthetically, I really hope isn't true. In season one, and this is a crazy one. In All season right. one, as old Nan leaves Bran Stark's bedside, Ron Stark reminds her of many fairy tales she once told to him. And he specifically references one that the sky is blue because we all live inside the eye of a blue-eyed giant named McCumber. Okay. In season four, Oberyn Martell says, some believe the sky is blue because we live inside the eye of a blue-eyed giant. Uh, we now have two references to this, and as far as I can tell, everything in the show has some meaning. Well, maybe not Dorne in Season 5, but who knows. In the animated map in the show's intro, it's concave, i.e. having an outline or surface that curves inward like the interior of a circle or sphere, like the inside of an eyeball, perhaps? The red comet in Season 2 is apparently seen in both Westeros and Essos at the same time. Apparently, when it is day in Westeros, it's also day in Essos. Further evidence that the whole planet is on the inside of a sphere. But is it a planet? Seasons are of different length. Years have variable meanings. It could be that the whole place is a gigantic spaceship named the Macumber. Earth has been destroyed and survivors have built a huge sublight multi-generational colony ship. Yeah. Yeah, baby. To travel Uh to another star over thousands of years. But the passengers have forgotten that they're on a spaceship and have reverted to barbarism. I think me and Jesse from Personal Arrogance wrote this story once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if so, I'm suing George Martin. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine the outrage? Like season seven, like this, they come back and it is a sci-fi show. The snow go- globe from Saint Elsewhere. Are uh-huh. you familiar? I mean, oh, yeah. it's got nothing on that. Nothing. This is all just a. It turns into like a total balls to the wall Wachowski esque mm-hmm. sci-fi series at the yep. end. Yep. Or yeah. like Battlestar Galactica, right? Like they're trying to find a new planet. This is their generational ship. It's headed out into space, yeah. looking for a new place to settle. They end up settling on what is Earth. You know, 5,000 years later. Look, I think multi-generational colony ships are fucking fascinating. They are. all of the philosophical and human... Like co- ethics. Uh, yeah. All, all sorts of the shit. impact wrapped, on religion and culture and, and uh, what happens if it takes literally hundreds of thousands of years to get where you're going. Yeah. All good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's a peanut butter and chocolate situation that I want that shit stuck on the Game of Thrones. <laughs> no. People would hate that. Yeah. There would be riots in the street. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I I hope would <laughs> would be really funny. Well, so this is getting dark, and I apologize to George oh, Martin boy. in advance. But let's say George kicks the bucket before mm-hmm. he finishes the books. Sure, and they hire someone else to rewrite. You know, they hire Brandon Sanderson, Bre- exactly to 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 helm the end, and he he makes it this. <laughs> and then he swears that no, seriously, this was this George was in the plans. Off. Would anyone believe him? No, no, they wouldn't. Of course, he would not. be the most reviled man in history. Uh, I'm just doing. Like, my can you duty. imagine the the reaction that he would have reading the script oh, for the first time? If you, you were be Bron- fucking kidding me, I can't write this. If you were Sanderson, would you stay true to his outline, or would you? If you were the only person, <laughs> oh that my knew, god, would you stay true to his outline, or would you rewrite? No, I would rewrite. I would definitely rewrite. <laughs> Because you're right, there's no good way out of that scenario without rewriting. Good God. Yeah, that would be hilarious. You'd be a laughingstock for the rest of your life. So I'm with you, Wally. Uh, Let's hope that doesn't come to pass. Yeah. yeah. Uh, TGI 
has, says in the episode of Lady Olena and Little. Ooh, this is a good one. And Lady Olena and Littlefinger's meeting, he promises to deliver a handsome young man or something to that effect. Aaron has been lamenting Doran's lack of a grand scheme, but in the books, his scheme goes unspoken for a long time. What if sending Tristane to King's Landing to sit on a small council is part of a master collaboration between Doran and Littlefinger? Hmm. I don't know where it leads now that Alara has evidently murdered Marcella. Any chance that they turn tail back to Doran, snitch to Doran, and get an antidote in time to save her life? Would have been interested where to, or to see an, where an alliance between two great schemers in the books would have ended up. Okay. So let's freestyle on this a little bit. Okay. If there's if there is a triumvirate of Littlefinger, Doran, and Olena, mm-hmm. Doran supplies the prince. Olena has the princess. Littlefinger maneuvers the Lannisters so they're completely destroyed. You would still and and Tommen gets killed. Marcella is still the rightful queen. The people love her, especially if she comes through this scandal with any kind of grace and dignity. She marries Tristane. Now Dorn and Tyrell sh- share a rule of the of, of the I almost said Wild Kingdom of the Seven Kingdoms with Littlefinger having brokered that peace. Maybe he's the hmm. hand now. Would that feel like an epic reveal of a of a Dornish plan, and also have Littlefinger kind of there as a of a pivotal member of it? I think so. I think it's you know once again one of those things where it depends on how they reveal that right. Um, and you got you you got the, the complication is now you've got everyone said that Cersei is weak, um, you know, and she's looked very weak. But now yeah. you got Kevin back, and you got her, the Mountain on her side. Mm-hmm. So suddenly the Lannisters aren't as non formidable as they appeared middle of this season. Say yeah, yeah, and I wonder how much of that Littlefinger would be on to. Mm. Probably yeah, like, a lot of it, I'd imagine. Well, the but... thing is, is like I don't know that Littlefinger knows about the mountain. How would he? Varys without was, Varys there. Varys yeah, I don't was know. gone. He was out of the capital. It's Kyburn's the new master of secrets. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't know a lot about the inner workings of what's going on uh, with, with that. So that could yeah. be a potential miscalculation on his part. It definitely could be. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. It it really depends on how they do it. Because we already have speculated, you know, Dorne's got to have something up his sleeve, right? Yeah, you would think. Otherwise, what the hell? Right. <laughs> Why yep. are you giving away your prince? Yep. Um, so I, I don't know. They they would have to add a layer to it, I feel. Yeah. And and maybe Littlefinger working with him would be enough. But, but that's the sure. other thing is Marcella dying. How does Tristane survive the King's Landing? To be hand of the king, if it like if Marcella dies now, now if he and if he has an antidote and cures her, yeah, then how do they get her out of the way so that he can marry Marjorie? Because I'm assuming I'm assuming the Tyrells are mixed up because they'd almost have to be, you know, if the Dorn just came to supplant them on the Iron Throne, they would have to side with the Lannisters. Even if I mean, it also might be interesting if they're not involved and they're pissed and they pull their support from King's Landing. And Littlefinger and Doran have to, and Tristane have to figure out. That's still choosing a side, pulling your support away from one rival to let another smash them. But I I thought you meant involved in in the throne in whatever respect. But like it could literally just be that Marjorie and and uh, Loras are going to be killed, and uh, Lady Lynn is going to be pissed about it and do what she threatened to do. But again, which causes Littlefinger promised her a handsome young man. Tristane is a handsome young man. It's true. It's true. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't know. 
The other the other candidates for this handsome young man could be um, Gendry, mm-hmm. the long lost Baratheon bastard. That he could somehow be proof of the incestual nature mm-hmm. of uh, the Lannisters' claim to the throne. I Ramsay. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the little finger would do that. And also, He's why would Lady Olena give a shit? That's the thing, because it's in context of this is meaningful to Lady Olena. Yeah, what I'm saying is like it could be he, he would help the Boltons come into King's Landing, take over, mm. get rid of the Lannisters. I don't know that she would see, but again, that's somehow for Lady Olena to be with it. Marcella, or not, not Marcella. Marjorie. Marjorie still has yeah. to be sitting on the throne, or perhaps I think you're right, yeah, or perhaps uh, you know Loras. But mm. it seems like Marjorie's the one already sitting there. However, for the Tyrells to be engaged. The end game has to be they have to have the same amount of influence. Yeah. If it, if they get cut out, then why would they go along with it? So I don't know that that has me a little bit. I, and and their, their children can't be for forfeit either. Right. Yeah. Like, right. There's no way they'll go along with. No. Well, it's going to cost you a daughter and a son, but it, or yes. a granddaughter and grandson. I don't whatever, think but, a lady Olena would sit set for that. No, no. no. But uh, no, those are some interesting ways they could go. Yeah. Um, still kind of wish, I don't know why they just didn't get with that this season. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that Littlefinger is out there somewhere doing his Littlefinger stuff. He's like stuff. the shark. Yeah. In Jaws. We haven't even seen his fin, though. It's like... Haven't even heard the mute. The da, da. No. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, William I, this speculation centers around the death of Jon Snow and how the wildling south of the wall will eventually find out and the kings, or the Night's Watch, will fear any retaliation for killing the guy who saved the wildlings' lives. He's got three options. I want to see what you think of him. Option one, the show just doesn't go to the wall next season. He <laughs> judges this as not likely. The season span, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Okay. They're not going to brand the death of John. I agree with you, yeah. Okay. Option two, the Night's Watch report that a rogue brother killed Snow because he did not agree with the Snow's treatment of the wildlings. They offer up John Snow's body and the body of the assassin black brother who was, quote, unquote, killed during the arrest. And that could be... Ollie. Well, I was actually thinking <laughs> if they're going to go that route, like Ed, you know, one of the few okay. John supporters, mm-hmm. they could just put the knife in his hand. Uh, anyway, uh, they they give him up to appease the wildlings and the bodies are burned in a funeral ceremony, which would slam the door on Jon Snow coming back. Option three, Melisandre starts up her witchy ways and steals Jon Snow's body out of Castle Black, perhaps with Davos's help. The show rides on the recent binge in Stark Reminder by having Alistair Thorne report to the Wildlings that Jon Snow's actually gone north of the Wall to look for his uncle, who he just got new information about, and that's why he's not here. I'm just Mm. acting, Lord Commander. They can then send the brothers out to look for Melisandre, hoping to get Jon's body back. If not, they can conveniently report after a while that Jon Snow must have died looking for his uncle north of the Wall. The problem with the fate of Jon Snow is they cannot go a whole season without committing to some kind of resolution. They can start off the funeral like they did at Tywin and burn the body. This will confirm once and for all that he is dead. Or if there's some kind of plot line involving a missing body or plans to take the body or an unusual delay in having a funeral for some reason, then you know they wouldn't do that unless Jon Snow is coming back. So his theory is unless Jon Snow's body is burnt or permanently dealt with by episode two of next year, you know he's coming back. Yeah, I feel like he's probably right on that. All right. Yeah, the longer it goes without that being resolved, the more likely it is that he's coming back. Yeah, because frankly, it feels like with Stannis, they could just kind of never mention him again, mm. except in, in passing. But with Jon Snow, I don't think you can get away with that. Yeah, I don't even know if you can get away with John, the Stannis, honestly. 
he's a little bit after this season, he's become too prominent of a character. Like they could have done that last season, but bringing him back and having the scene with his daughter and him burning his daughter, I think is permanently etched his identity. And even the most casual show, he's the daughter burner, man. Yeah. I mean, I agree. He became a, a bigger part of the show, but I think also in my mind, his fate is sealed at that moment. Yep. And so if they just like close that envelope, totally, I, I would be fine with that. Okay. Whereas that's not the case with Jon Snow. I kind of want, kind of feel like there's more to his story than than we've seen. Okay. Uh, so Cassie B writes in and she kind of rehashes the potential Doran and Elaria are working together poison plot line. Okay. Uh, and she began to wonder, didn't Jamie and Braun arrive in Doran via hitching a ride in secret and not by a, ra- a Royal Navy vessel? If so, there wouldn't have been a King's Landing ship there to pick them up and take them home. So does that mean they're returning home on a Dornish ship, presumably manned by Dornish soldiers? I assume so, yeah. If that is the case and Doran is in on the plan, it wouldn't be stupid to have Tristane riding along since Doran's men are actually in control of the ship. After all, it would be Jamie and Braun against an entire ship of Dornish sailors. I thought that maybe when Doran told Alara that he believed in second chances but not third ones, this perhaps was him actually referring to King's Landing meaning that sending his own sister, Aelia, was the first chance. She was killed. Secondly, sending his brother, Oberyn, was also killed, although it was during a trial by combat, and now he refuses to give the crown a third chance to any alliance with his country. That's a different take than the whole Oberyn, Alara, third strike situation we already talked about. Sure. Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting wrinkle, the idea that it it must be a Dornish ship. Because, yeah, it's on. not as big a risk sending your prince on a Dorna ship than it is. And I that's, yeah, I'm not sure why I didn't assume that it wasn't a Dorna ship, because... I mean, I suppose it doesn't have to be a Dorna ship. I don't ship. think the Royal like, Navy has an Uber service. Pro- probably not, <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. I suppose there are ways around it being a Dorna ship, but they're all kind of contrived. Yeah. The The idea that, oh, maybe they were holding Jamie and they contacted King's Landing and... King's Landing sent a ship out. Like, that all seems very... Uh, that, that seems like a little too much twisting in the wind to to get there. Hmm. So, yeah, I I don't know. Like, he kills Marcella on the boat. And then what? They What do they do with Jamie? Do they take him back to King's Landing? Do, like... Okay, let's know, assume this because, all plays out how you want it to, Doran. What next? Yeah, you take him to King's Landing, and either Tristane stays on the boat... And moons everybody from shore. Uh-huh. Uh, or he gets off and now the reverse, it's still, you've thrown your son into the den of the Or you the, take the Jamie lions, somewhere literally. else, like, as a, a hostage? What? Now, that's an interesting But why not just keep him in Dorne, yeah. right? Well, maybe Are they trying to, uh, like, absolve themselves from responsibility? Like, unless oh, we don't got, know where Jamie is. Unless you've got he some other mission you need him to do. What do you mean? Who who would have that other mission? And why would he do anything for the people who just killed his daughter? I don't know. But if like, so let's try Let's start. Let's start remixing these theories. This will be fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we think Tommen might die. Uh-huh. Uh, if, if this is part of, if, if we weave all these plots together. So Tommen's dead. Cersei's disgraced and humiliated. And, and more importantly, admitted to incest with Lancel. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be a blow to Jamie, who thinks she's the love of his life. Okay. So Jamie gets this news on the ship, and Doran knows it's all coming somehow because he's orchestrated this with Littlefinger. Sure, yeah. Is it possible that 
Jamie would turn traitor against his whole family because he was spurned, and perhaps he goes on some kind of undercover mission to like what family? Unite, huh? What family at this point? Like what Kevin? I guess. Well, I mean, it would like be him he, and his if sister. he's angry at Cersei for you know not being the love of his life or whatever, and also Tom and die. Tom is dead. Like. Cersei's rampaging with the mountain and acting. The Lannister family is getting pretty small. That's he what I'm saying. Tyrion, so so like, Jamie can would, yeah. is is I'm trying to think of what a mission that Doran would give Jamie mm-hmm. that would be interesting and that only uniquely Jamie could serve. Maybe Jamie's purpose will be to unite the Lannisters behind this Dornish scheme. Like Lannisters need new management. Just, like if you're, I am ask... the fucking heir, uh-huh. and I'm taking control of this ship. And now the Lannisters are good guys. I, because I, we've all forgotten I shoved the kid out of a tower window in season one. If you so let, let, look let's at my say gold hand. you need something from me, right? You're yeah. like, uh, look, I, I need you to take me to the airport tomorrow. You come to my house and before you ask me, you smash my television with a sledgehammer. Okay. The answer is no. I'm sorry. <laughs> the answer is fuck you, no. But what if the other guy filled your car full of cement? That's worse than smashing your television. <laughs> <laughs> so I like I need you to take me to this guy's house so I can beat him up, and then you come in, smash my TV, and I say yes because the at guy least, filled my car at with least cement. You didn't fill my car full of cement. You yeah. could have been a bigger yeah. turd. Uh, maybe, maybe. All right. <laughs> uh, enough, enough imagination land. Let's uh-huh. take the trolley back to Mister Rogers' apartment now. Good. Uh, good. Tom B has a couple questions for us. One, this is a what if. I'm not sure if you're going to be super interested in it. What if Stannis said no to Brienne? Before executing Stannis, she asked if he really killed Renly. Like Neo? He stops the sword? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. What if he said, no, I had nothing to do with it. Somebody used magic to put my face on a shadow. Oh. Would the somewhat naive and dopey Brienne have stayed her execution? Would she have then helped escort Stannis to safety if he'd asked or commanded her to do so? Mm. I say no. I don't think she's this naive or stupid. And also, I don't... Stannis yeah. is not the type to just lie to save his skin, I don't think. Yeah, you're probably right on both counts. All right. I, I think Brienne, she lays out the case to him, you know, like mm-hmm. this, this shadow had your face. I know you're using blood magic. That's it. Off with your head. Yeah. Uh, why was the mountain just standing there waiting? If he was all ready to go, all suited up in nice new armor, why didn't he just plow through the faith militant and rescue yeah. Cersei earlier? Why let her rot in the cell? Why let her endure the entire walk of shame? You have any ideas? I felt like Kyburn was, was holding, holding the mountain back as like, mm. You know, a grand reveal, a gift sort of thing for, for Cersei when for she the back. season finale. In other well, words. yeah, uh, sure. I, I no, think number one, it's a TV show. I think they put enough suggestion that this is like something he just got finished with. I thought so too, yeah. because even like two episodes ago, he told her the work is progressing. Mm-hmm. So he and and it seemed like he was working on him throughout the season. So it could be that he literally got the bolts in the neck tightened up just that morning. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's not really Kyburn's place to say, let's go rampage, right? Right. Yeah. Like, what if that's not what Cersei wants to do? She's got another plan. It seems like that's a dangerous thing to just do. Do you think Kyburn respects Cersei? Or he sees her as someone he can manipulate that's and use? a good use? question. Um, it's essentially I don't same, know. It's essentially the same question of asking, do you think Kyburn is a shrewd individual? I kind of think uh, he is. Seems like it. He's got some so my default eyes. position on all things is he's using Cersei somehow, and then I don't have a problem with him manipulating the timing of the mountain reveal yeah. for his own interests. Because you got to think like 
Who's the mountain going to be ultimately loyal to? Cersei Lannister or his creator? Dr. Frankenstein. Although I guess if it's like in the books, then that's a dicey proposition <laughs> that the monster might hate his creator. Yeah, I mean, even in the Frankenstein books. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, those books. Okay, yeah, I you thought can't, you meant the Game of Thrones. Creator loyalty is not necessarily a given when no. you're talking about Frankenstein no. monsters. For sure. Uh, Shum wrote in and says, How many of your concerns or problems with this season could have been potentially resolved with a 13-episode season? This is the why don't we get more Game of Thrones argument. The con is that the Double Ds have said we pretty much make Game of Thrones year-round already. Between huh. pre-production, production, and post-production, uh, we literally couldn't do more weeks of shooting and still be able to get the thing turned around. I don't know that I buy that, um, but I also don't know that – I feel like the that it was the pacing that was the problem already. And stretching this plot over three more episodes, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that would solve it. Because I also said that this show was a curious mix of dragging its feet and rushing. So maybe yeah, extra episodes would allow them to more fully develop some of the stuff. But on the other hand, there's that middle section of the season where just it felt like we were waiting for things to get traction again. I was just watching a four-wheeler spin its wheels in mud. And three more episodes of that is not helping anybody. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe just switching what they're showing most often around would have helped a little bit. Like, yeah, I mean, I get that the road show was entertaining, but Stannis setup was pretty bad as far as his troops mm-hmm. freezing in the, the winter snow. Uh, I feel like maybe that if they had focused a little more on why, St- why it was so urgent for Stannis to do what he was doing and all that stuff, it might've felt a little better for me. All right. Less on Stan snakes, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he had another suggestion because in the books, feast is a essentially everything that happens in Westeros, and then simultaneously dance is happening, which is mostly things that are happening in Essos. Huh, He's okay. suggesting that in what if they had done a more straightforward conversion where season five follows half of the characters, and then season six follows the other half, and you let all these plots kind of fully develop and do mm-hmm. them more just kind of how the book does them. Which I'm all for doing it how the book does it. Like I I know these are kind of your least favorite books or whatever. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Um, and I haven't read them, so I'm taking your word on that. I just I feel like you can never go wrong when people already love the source material. Yeah. By just following the source material. Yeah, I mean, there's you know he Shum here acknowledges that you got a lot of problems, which is you're sidelining a lot of characters under contract. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which is if I don't get to see Tyrion for an entire season, I'm gonna be less than thrilled well that's essentially the aaron experience of feast for crows where the yeah. fuck is Tyrion? god yeah. damn it uh yeah so that that's the same you know i remember in high school reading lord of the rings and i'm like all right this fellowship's pretty good council Elrond is rough but i'm involved and then i get to the next book and i'm like seriously i'm not going to find out what happened to the other dudes until i get done with this thing like i got like it's bullshit huh. i hated it and i kind of feel like that was part of my problem with Feast and Dance. I don't like that narrative device of pulling <laughs> out characters by location or setting and then resolving all that stuff at once and then doing the other and then bringing them together at the end. I much prefer being engaged in bo- both plots simultaneously. Okay, here's my question then. Which did you enjoy more, the books or the way the TV show did it? 
because the, those are two separate approaches. Oh no, I, de- I I definitely so far from what I've seen prefer the books because okay, so that's not as big a problem as no no no, no trying no. to do it all because at once yes, and it, not it, there was some meandering and there was some stuff that got I think drug on and it was annoying not getting to the having to accept new characters I didn't care about at the expense of not getting any information at all in the characters that I was caring about. But having said that, I think, yeah, they should have took their time. Hmm. But, you know, the other thing about this negative stuff is I remember being disturbed at some of the adaptations they made in season two, especially with the Danny's like, where's my dragons and the ultimate They were super minor, weren't they? Well, in this grand scheme of things, but then also mm-hmm. just the payoff of her duel with the wizards or the you know the the warlocks of Karth was so uh, much lamer than it was in the books. And yeah. Jon Snow's adventures with mm-hmm. Corrin Halfhand were, were dumber. And I'm like, this is kind of. D-. But the what what they were able to do is position it by the end of the season to where I'm like, okay, I see now the shape of things. And I see how this is going to allow them to adapt the next season. So I was kind of okay with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't have that safety net in this season. All I can see is them yeah. being in the middle of rearranging the deck chairs and I don't know where they're going. So I don't know if this is a good arrangement or a bad one. So sure. part of the, me saying that this is a dissatisfying season just could be from that point. But I feel like enough show watchers say also this isn't as good that there is it's, – it's, it's also just structurally and kind of – you know, objectively not as good and not as entertaining as previous seasons. Yeah. And one more time, that's compared to previous seasons, not television as a whole. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Still a really good show. Uh, So he also compiled a long list of significant book deviations throughout the season, which I've gone through over the seasons. Um, Might help you in your, are you, are you doing a recap or did you say at the beginning you, you're not definitively. Yeah, I'm not. Um, And I, I don't have time to read all this stuff, but essentially, the thing he communicates is as the books go further into the series, the changes become long. The list of changes become longer and the deviations yeah. become more severe. He says, with these in mind, you know, that's one thing I said in the beginning of the season. I'll know I'll have a more gut comfort level with them going forward with the winds of winter and a dream of spring, not having those books to guide them if this season's pretty good. So he's basically asking me, with these in mind, how do you guys rate the Double D's ability to come up with material without the aid of Germ's books? I would Mm. say I'm not very confident. I'm worried. I'm officially worried. Yeah. You know, I mean, this season, like, there have certainly been worse seasons of shows that we've covered. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about bad seasons, there have been a couple in The Walking Dead where we were like, I'm not sure we're even going to do this. You know, do, I don't even know if this. we want to do this show next year. Um, there was like three podcasts that gave up podcasting we, on Game of Thrones this season. Th- that has never crossed our mind, right? No, like, uh-uh. this show is still so good. Sure. We're, we're not going <laughs> to, like, they're not even in the same league as far as Hard I'm Home alone was almost worth the price of admission all by itself. Yeah. It was like I, I have not seen anything like it thus far of this year in television, and that means something as mm-hmm. as much television as I watch. Oh yeah, like I'll even put it up against anything I saw on the Avengers. Banshee, Banshee's <laughs> more like one on one stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it, it's it's just really really great um, piece of cinema, and I'm glad I got to watch it. Yeah, I I wonder if there's like a little bit of. Them rearranging the deck because they don't have the confidence that George Martin's going to deliver a book, and they don't want to try to tell the 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 a knot Dune that story. he's got himself into. 
You know, like, like, man, I don't know how we're going to tell, like going, judging on where the books have ended. Yeah. I don't know how to tell this story going forward. So yeah. let's rearrange the show to a story that we know we can tell. Yeah. If he comes out with the book, we'll try to veer it back on course, but let's make something that's ours now. Well, that's what I was hoping. And, and three episodes in, that was kind of my position. Like, okay, you take out two Kings guards. I don't give a shit about and Dorn, and you throw in Jamie and Braun. That's a pretty smart change. I like it, yeah. I like it. Uh, putting Sansa in the middle of action in Winterfell and accelerating her story. I like that. Um, there's a lot of changes like that that I was kind of like, oh, getting t- getting Tyrion to Jorah faster and getting them both to Danny faster. That's a potentially good change. But then I felt like they didn't follow through with it. Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. remix stuff, then fucking remix it, man. Like, <laughs> I feel like that they did this weird middle path. Of That's what I mean. Yeah. Streamlining consolidation. But mm-hmm. we still have to make sure these guys hit the major beats, even if those beats no longer made sense in the remix story, which is the classic yeah. Kirkman problem, by the way, too. <laughs> sure. Like this situation sure. that worked very early on in the fucking comic book. I'm going to throw in in season five. But these characters should not react in the situation the same way that the characters from like issue, you know, issue 80 characters shouldn't react to the situation the same yeah. as issue 20. So, characters. so now you're left with either let's have the reaction be totally different yeah. in the same scenario that the book readers are familiar with, or let's have the reaction be the same and it won't fit with the characters who are now in the show, right? And like, that's, that's the thing. That's a weird. And that's where they got themselves in trouble by having these characters hit the same beats and have broadly the same reactions to them. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it felt like, you know, and that goes with Stannis double because, you know, that's something that we don't even know what's going on in the books. Like, wow, you know, this doesn't feel like it's hanging together. Yeah. And I mean, I'll say, you know, just as a show watcher only, that even if you throw all that stuff out, like, oh man, this doesn't match up with the books. I'm feeling weird about that. I'm not, I'm uneasy. Like this season is still the weakest in my opinion and doesn't hold together quite as well as i felt like it should have like a lot of the stuff they're doing is really interesting and cool this stuff with stannis Mm. i felt like would have worked so much better if we were just given a little more information scenario wise about what he's facing stuff with like the sand snakes was interesting like Uh on at the base level but it just like it didn't it, it just didn't execute it on like a level that i felt super engaged by no it's it it's reminds me of like C- this premise and the setup is all really good it's yeah. like there's just small tweaks they should have made. staging like more snow more snow skinnier Bo- soldiers bodies being piled skinnier soldiers yeah it's kind of like in, in people eating horses like all se- that stuff. season two of walking dead the pre- the 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 premiere had that really awesome like mass zombie horde taking over the freeway Oh, yeah, yeah. But they staged it in such a way that the characters should have seen the mob coming miles and miles away. Yeah. So it visually just like, this is ridiculous. And that's kind of how I felt like this Stannis plot would have worked with another episode of Two of Desperation, deeper snow, more, you know, harsher winds and skinnier soldiers. Yeah. And increasingly haggard looking Stannis at the at his wits end as it was it's kind of like you know we got six inches of snow it's time to call off school and burn my daughter or or maybe like make it more severe at the wall right yeah because what the fuck it didn't even look that deep at the wall no so hundreds of or i don't even know how many miles south but 
right to 50 minimum sure 100 miles south you're gonna have less snow uh-huh. than a place that doesn't look like it has all that much snow to begin with <laughs> uh right in oh wait there's one last thing shum wanted us uh favorite characters at this point i'm pretty sure jim is on record as saying Tyrion is his favorite but i don't think yep. aaron has ever said uh no totally Tyrion yeah. is what makes the series for me yeah and that's why we were we actually were all talking. questioning like could they kill Tyrion like a couple of seasons ago weren't we yeah like not on this podcast but just yeah. like talking like can the show survive the death of Tyrion? yeah well I, I know just talking to you it's like we were talking about you potentially reading the books and i'm like i don't know you'd make it through feast or dance but i actually think you would really dig you know clash of king and storm of swords because that's like Tyrion at his pimp pimpest are those like two and three yeah and also like if you think he was really good in season two He's twice as good in the books. Damn. Like, and, Damn. and I was disappointed they didn't make some of his more clever moments into the scene. But yeah, so I could see like if you're a Tyrion fan, the first three books are like mother's milk. Um, nice. And you get you know you get the feast. We'll see what happens. But <laughs> uh, Ryan, in controversial suggestion, I'm starting to think Martin should just give up on writing the books for now <laughs> and focus on helping write for the show because I think it needs help. Plus, he certainly right. likes to take a long time with his books. Maybe that's part of what makes them so good. If he rushes them now, they might suffer. I'd prefer that he give his full energy to the show and then finish the books whenever he damn well pleases. It could be the final book comes out in 10 years, so by then we might all enjoy a nostalgic return to Westeros. What do you think? Should he focus on making the show great rather than try to ramrod the books ASAP with the double Ds freewheeling on the show? Or should we keep on same on same? What Do you have an opinion on that? I mean, what he's effectively saying is I want a season of this show once every three years. Like, because that's what would happen, right? Like, uh, I'm George Martin. I write slow. And now that I'm taking over, we're going to write slow. I don't know if that's true or if just like having him on the set, chained to the set where the in the writer's room where he could just be a jukebox for p- plot points gotcha. and answers. That, yeah, like people are writing around him. Yeah. And he's just saying, no, no, that doesn't work. And here's why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I don't. I will say that I think book readers would pull a Nick Cage and piss blood. Doesn't matter. If this was doesn't matter. Game of Thrones, the show is such a now they are pissing blood and shit (laughs) of you suggesting that they don't matter. Uh, I'm not saying they don't matter. Just no. The show is so much bigger. I know it's the same. Like what you know, Walking Dead fans bristle at the fact that they're such a small percentage of the actual fan base. But it's true. It's it is true. And yeah. I'm rep. I'm here to represent the book readers. I All gotta right. say that I would think this is some bullshit. Yeah, but if if it avoids the worst of both worlds, where I get a shitty show and a rush shitty product of the books, I would pre- I would prefer it. Yeah, I mean, you know, HBO is not going to shut down production. Like the best thing probably would to be load all the actors into a cryo sleep. <laughs> shelve this this series for another five years and let george get the damn thing done yeah you know short of inventing a time machine and going back and, and lighting a fire under george's asses seven years ago asses he has multiple asses <laughs> by now i'm sure it's pretty yeah. accurate um so i yeah i don't know i that's i can't imagine the pr disaster it would be because there is something to say that you might not be the biggest numerically but you got to have your core nucleus passionate fan base or yes, the others yes. will wither and die. I, I agree. Yeah. So, cause there's what's keeping the interest alive, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, moving on, Karen P do you think the many deaths, this is starting. I, I put off all the critical stuff to the end because people might 
and be inclined to shut off the podcast, and I don't want them to miss all the fun stuff. We're we're heading into that territory. What went wrong? Okay. Karen P says, "Do you think the many deaths on the show uh, have lost their novelty just because of the sheer quantity that has happened?" I know at the start of the show, Ned's death and the red wedding and even the purple wedding came to us as shockers because you don't usually expect the good characters to die, especially the ones that have been built for up from a, a whole season's perspective. Ned and Rob are both given so much importance before the deaths. I do believe it has become a sort of trend on the show. I was through expecting John to die after this season when he was made Lord Commander, but thought otherwise when he didn't die beyond the wall. I'm starting to feel these deaths are more for shock value than actual story progression. That's the catch, That's right? That's a problem. If you have shocking death after shocking death, then shocking death start to become boring. Yeah. Which is the worst, I think is, is personally that... the worst crime this show can commit is to become boring and predictable. I, I agree. Yeah. I have to question whether or not that's intentional. Is that part of what Martin is trying to say? This world is a place where, you know, people have adapted to this lifestyle, to to the horrors of this time period. I this think, is what you get. But And are we as an audience supposed to adapt to that and start saying, like, get used to it and then something will change to make us go, oh, no, I've gotten used to this. What am I doing? But then does it serve some other narrative purpose? Like, I if if next season's the turning point and the good guys start slowly but surely winning, and this is the darkest hour, okay, fine. But if this is going, you know, if, like, you know, the debate we had is, what what is Martin playing at? Is If this is just a bleak uh, mm-hmm. kick in the crotch after kick in the crotch until the thing's over and, and the world's a shithole and it never gets better, what is the point of that? Like even if you think you need that, a good character lamenting that fact, though you need you need someone standing in that world to say this is fucked, and the audience needs to identify with them in a way where they can step back and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is fucked," and I've gotten used to it. I don't know. I think sometimes I, I think, don't think that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to go somewhere with it, right? <laughs> and I know a lot of people like accuse season one of True Detective as essentially being that. Okay, like it, the world's miserable and shitty, but. Uh-huh. You know, you find your 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 wins where you can take them, but and I, I I don't know. I feel like that that seems edgy and cool to like a high school lit literature. You know, he's in the accelerated literature programs. Like I know, I'll write a story where it's just like the real world and nothing good ever happens. And I think that's a yeah, that's not a, even a really good take on the real world either. No, certainly. Uh, so <laughs> I I think that would be boorish and dumb if that's the road he's going down. Okay. But there again, supposedly we only have two seasons left to go. So we have to start getting some wins. They can be hard fought, hard fought um, victories that might cost the good guys as much. You know, if you go back to that Nisa Nisa theory and the, the how Lightbringer was born, there could be a lot of like tough sacrifices. Uh, a lot of good people die, but it's got to go somewhere good or else what the hell's the point? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Rachel S. has some thoughts on what the season did wrong. Having had about a week to think about it and having listened to an infinite number of hours of podcasts during the season, I think I've reached some conclusions about why the fifth season of Game of Thrones is so disappointing, at least for me. I'll still watch the show and all that jazz, but this season was not great, Bob. I think the presentation of chronology and the passage of time in the season has been terrible. We have no sense of whether events are happening simultaneously or how far apart they are occurring, and that's important to understand in terms of character motivation and story development. Has Arya been training for three days or three months? Little Sam looks like he's still a newborn. How long has Brienne been watching that tower? 
Did things in King's Landing happen so quickly that a raven couldn't get to Dorne to tell Jamie that Cersei was locked up? Does Littlefinger travel by portkey? This issue reveals itself in a couple storylines significantly relative to one another. One, Stannis is presented as a person who has lived on rats and onions for a very long time during the Siege of Storm's End, so you'd think that it would have taken a similar period in the show to leave him so desperate as to burn his daughter alive. And two, time must not have passed in the same way at the Wall because Jon Snow must have only been back from a hard home for a few hours. Otherwise, he would presumably have immediately told all of his black brothers and sent ravens to every house imaginable, warning them of the real and imminent threat of the White Walkers following his experience at Hardhome, and been backed up by the other black brothers who were there and survived, meaning his people wouldn't have mutinied and killed him. Yes, the passage of time is starting to become very weird. With Marcella saying that she's been down at Dorne for years, and... Also, that's about the same time that Dan- that that Gilly has given birth to her son. Like, there is some weird, yeah. weird shit going on at the time. Yeah, I think I said in an earlier episode that I, I thought that these things were not going on simultaneously, but I couldn't have told you when each thing was happening. And I still feel that way at the end. Well, that's bad, right? Yeah, yeah, it's totally bad. She's completely right about that. Uh, there's always, I think the great shows always have some way to kind of keep everything chronologically bound together. Mm -hmm. Um, and Game of Thrones is starting to feel unhinged where it, that maybe not bother you at first glance, but it's kind of like one of those nagging subconscious things. that's not allowing you to fully immerse into, get your suspension really, uh, of disbelief going. She also says, I think hard home was certainly one of the best set pieces and Game of Thrones history was a mistake. And the reason that it was awesome is also in turn what makes it so bad for the story. Almost every recapper and podcaster has noticed that it's hard to care about the ongoing struggles for the throne and Marine and to intra and inter-family squabbles when the threat of the White Walkers became very real very quickly. The books this has handled better, making the White Walkers more of a myth than reality and making Hardhome just a story told through a game of telephone rather than something in which important characters took part. George Martin, as promised, will go further into the lands north of the Wall and the Winds of Winter, and I think a slow burn will help us continue to care about other book plot lines rather than making them seem completely insignificant relative to this looming threat. And that is another thing that I'm kind of scared about, that pulling all this material with the White Walkers and their threat earlier into the books or earlier into the series is going to, you know, are they just going to go away for another season? Like they did after the battle of the first, the, the fist of the first men. Uh, I don't think that works. How fast do spiders travel? <laughs> Depends on the spider. Okay. Fair uh, enough. An, an unladen ice spider can travel like, you know, 12, 15 miles an hour. Tops, yeah. Kilometers maybe. Uh, I, I, that's a big problem. Uh, because there's a lot of this intra-family squabbling that doesn't really mount to a hill of the beans in the grand story that still has to take place. But we also have a very ticking time bomb north of the wall. And and how are those two stories going to come together? Like, do they... Is, are, is it going to feel okay for you for some of that stuff to just be put on hold? Like, literally, like if Dorne and the Tyrells... And the the Knights of the Vale and the Boltons and the Lannisters are all poised for another Battle of the Five Kings, and it's canceled mm-hmm. due to the war north of the Wall. Like, would that be interesting to see that subterfuge and intrigue just put on hold or put aside indefinitely? Or does that see, need I'm, to be I'm wrapped not... up before we get to the White Walkers? Uh, I feel like maybe it could be wrapped up before 
the White Walkers, you know, doing all out of salt on the Seven Kingdoms. But I, I think, I, I don't know. There's also an interesting aspect of like, who's on the throne and what did they want to do about the White Walkers, right? Like if Jon Snow runs down there and he tells Cersei, White Walkers are coming. I've seen them. They attacked Hardhome. They've got a bunch of troops. Does she take him seriously? Does she unite the kingdoms in the way that she would need to in order for them to fight off a force like this? Yeah. What What happens if Tristane's on the throne? What happens if yeah. uh, Danny's on the throne? Like, those are very different reactions from those different people, right? Sure. So, like, maybe that's part of the tension. Like, who will be in the position to do something about this when the time comes? Mm-hmm. I think that could be interesting. Like, if... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I see like people who are maybe more concerned with their own affairs not being yeah. able to combat this and, and join everybody like a Mance Raider did or something. Yeah, I also hope it's not because the classic solution to all these dilemmas where you have an under-equipped foe fighting this large, massive invasion that they have no business winning mm-hmm. is some kind of bullshit deus ex machina. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. So... You know, it's like um, that fucking Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale dragon movie. Reign of Fire. Reign of Fire. There's one male dragon that if you kill them, all the other dragons essentially die off. It's the mothership of Independence Day. Exactly. If you take Jeff Goldblum and a MacBook Pro. And a couple cigars. (laughs) You can destroy the entire... It's it's the droid army in Naboo. Like, you take out the Uh one... And, like, goddamn it, if... If Jon Snow stabs the Night's King and every, all the whites and White Walkers shatter in the glass, I'm going to be so pissed. But because longer... you have to say, man, that army is fucking dumb for putting all their their important pieces in one spot. Yeah. Right? But okay, what if it's like a two pronged attack? Like Bran comes down with his fireball children from the north, sneaks up behind him, takes out some of the the White Walkers, and then Jon takes out you know Jon or no. like. The, the throne, I'm I'm coming around okay. on this theory where the throne is actually made of Valyrian steel now. Okay, okay. Because, you know, if dragons made it. Okay. Uh, I think it'd be fucking cool if that was melted down and, yeah. like, final stand at King's Landing. Yeah. Protecting all of the South, which is kind of I mean, the part right. that we care about. You have, you've got Valyrian steel, you've got dragons, you've got these children that are throwing fireballs, you've got potentially powerful wargs that are on the side of the good guys, we hope. There's a lot yeah. of, it's not like you just... Endless armies of the dead versus six people. No, no, no. You know, sure. um, but I'm just saying that the longer it goes in this vein, the more I worry about some kind of fucking thermal exhaust port up the Knights King's asshole that a lone X-wing is going to throw a photon torpedo in. And sure. you know that shit was cool when I was six years old. <laughs> uh, significantly less so now. Uh-huh. So, but that's that's another kind of worry that I've got. Yeah, I don't know why, but I'm not super worried about that. Yeah, because Martin's not a fool. Uh-huh. He would know how unsatisfying that would be. You'd think so. On the other hand, it'd be extremely satisfying to have three giant war dragons like breathing fire onto those very flammable uh-huh. whites and and you know highly trained faceless men, Valerian steel ninjas. I mean, there's a lot of cool things. Sure, you know, it's all it always goes back to pirates and ninjas and aliens, right? Yeah. So there you go, except for dragons in this case. Mm-hmm. I, that's it. That's all the feedback we got. Is there anything you've got for uh, last words? I don't think so. I'm, you know, still looking forward to season six yep. quite a bit. It's not like I'm not on board with this show anymore. We've got some treats coming up for club members. 
Uh, tonight starts yeah. our playthrough of the Telltale Game of Thrones. There's three episodes now, right? I think so, yeah. So this Tuesday and two Tuesdays hints, uh, scheduled to be, exact scheduled to be determined. Uh, we're going to be playing through those three episodes uh, live. Uh, and we're going to start tonight at 7.30, I think. Something like that. Sure. Let's say 730. 730. Uh, it, it'll be on the com website, the link for it. Uh, and yeah, we'll throw it through Patreon and all that stuff too. But that's going to be coming up for some cool stuff for the next few weeks. Um, you know, we got True Detective coming back. We got Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, presumably the Leftovers and Fargo will get in this season. Uh, they got a lot of cool stuff coming up down the Bald Move Pike. So if you like our stuff and, and you yeah. want to get in on that, please support us through club.baldmove.com. Yeah, so if you'd like to send us feedback, I'll still be reading it. Uh, Game of Thrones at baldmove.com. You can also get on our forums, which I'm sure, uh, you know, people are even now discussing casting news and all the other stuff. And I, I will say, if there's one thing I wish I had back, it's my analysis of the casting news last week on the spoiler section because I feel like I fucked up a bunch of stuff. And there's way cooler ideas and probably more relevant ideas that people have had. Uh, but you can discuss that on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. And if you want to see all of our new stuff coming out, best way to do that is a follow on the site at baldmove.com or get on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe and like and follow and whatever to keep that social media engine going. Oh, what a pitch. What a pitch. <laughs> all right. Well, Life's a pitch, man. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll, of course, be back next year more of these things um you know we'll do the the standard season uh preview cast mm-hmm. that we do a week before the show starts also i floated an idea that that was very popular of if the winds of winter come out before the show that doing some sort of bald move book club yeah yeah so stay tuned for that so i'm you know i don't know how, what that would look like but presumably we'd sign a set number of chapters to read and then we'll welcome everybody to send in their thoughts and we'll share stuff from Reddit. And I could, I could see doing that as uh, whenever it comes out, if it comes out at Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, I'm not doing it during Christmas, but you know, early weeks of January. Sure. We'll get that started. Okay. But yeah, cool. I, I'm kind of excited about the first ever bald move book club. Yeah. So it's cool. all on your shoulders, Martin. <laughs> it's a lot resting on those shoulders. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next year. See ya.